0: So even if I had 80,000 hunters if if they were only hunting 2 days, there's that much pressure in the woods. But if they were hunting 4 days, it's double the pressure, double the amount of impact. Am I explaining that right, Toby?
1: Yeah. And and you know, I think that it, it is it, it's very interesting to see how many days the average hunter hunts. And you know we'll get we'll get into it here soon, but it's uh, it hasn't changed a lot over the last twenty five years.
0: RockCast is powered by Onyx Hunt, and for good reason. OnX Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app in the industry. Stay tuned for a RockCast promo code. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the RockCast. Uh, today's guest is Toby Boudreau. Been working on that pronunciation for about five years. How am I doing, Toby? You're doing
1: excellent, Robbie.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, Toby's been on several times with us. He is the deer and elk coordinator for the Idaho Fishing Game, Uh, toby and i go way back and um, i'm always the guy i reach out to when i need information specifically on on deer and elk in idaho currently historically uh, and even future on where we're headed so he's a good guy to have on the uh, episode if you haven't heard any of our past episodes, just uh, jump back to I don't know probably September and maybe may you'll see you'll see we've had him on there before they're always good discussions and like we're always trying to do on the rockcast is let's let's get down to the facts here. Uh, hunters um, we're very emotional people I'm guilty of it myself a lot of times we argue from emotion because uh, we're very passionate about our pursuit and and then there's nothing wrong with that but, I've kind of learned over the years to listen to guys like Toby and get get the facts down, and then we all make better decisions. And one of the the things I always see in running a forum like Rockslide is there's always a lot of discussion about the good old days and how those are long gone and they're not coming back and whether that's true or not i don't know but i like to take a look at okay well how do we define the good old days and um and why are we not in them now and a lot of people lately have said oh just hunter numbers are off the charts uh there's so many more hunters in the woods now than there used to be um all of that stuff now i i do have to uh concede that we did have covid uh in in the last couple of years and all Recreation saw an increase in in users. Uh, we we we've seen that in the data. We know that, but that seems to have leveled off and and even dipped in um, in in some places. But has it with hunting? Well, if you log on to Rockslide in the forums, I I think you would say no, it hasn't. It's worse, and maybe it is. I don't know. But that's what we're going to talk about today. So, Toby, are you ready for this? I am ready. All right, buddy. And thank you for getting these numbers uh, together for us. So what we're going to take a look at, Toby gave me the numbers of the, and we're just going to stick with general season here. We're not going to do the limited quota hunts, uh, what we call controlled hunts in Idaho. Those numbers are not in here, uh, but we're going to go with with general season. That's a huge sample size of hunters. That's where most of our participation is, is in general season. So you get a good, big sample size. Any of you statisticians out there will be nodding your head that we want to get as big a sample size as we can. And then we're going we're to take, take a look all the way back to 2005. Now, um, Idaho is a mandatory report state. That means that we are required to report our harvest or lack thereof, the number of days that we hunted, uh, weapon type, all of that stuff. Um, And so that started, I'm going to lean on Toby here. When did we start mandatory reporting, Toby? We actually started
1: in 2001.
0: 2001. Great. So by the but the data we're going to look at today starting at 2005, uh we were well into mandatory reporting. And and I remember those fishing game meetings prior to 2001, uh there was a lot of hunters pushing for mandatory. Um I don't remember where fishing game stood on it, but we ended up with it. And uh so we're we're required to report our harvest. I don't know what if there is a penalty if we don't report, but I know I have reported Every single year, up until <laughs> I'm embarrassed, I haven't filled out my reports yet. Toby, don't get mad at me. We've well, got the email sitting in my desktop so I don't forget about it, but but I will fill it out and I always have. And since my son started hunting, you know, I've, I filled his, um, his out too. To me, it's a pleasure to fill them out. I know it helps fishing game to get that data. And you know, back in the days when we were arguing about not having mandatory reporting, I, I thought it was a good idea. I probably voted for it. Pretty sure I did. So therefore I had to follow through with it. So if, if you're out there, if you're just a numbers doubter and you think fishing games, just cooking the books on all of this stuff, you maybe you shouldn't listen to the rest of the episode. Um, because you know, some guys, you know, if they don't believe the data they we can't even really argue facts, but I happen to believe the data, and that isn't just because I got Toby on the episode here. It's because I followed the data for you know, three, four decades here, and it's always pretty much lined up with what I've experienced. Um, so if we if uh, if we jump back to 2005, we're going to just stick with general mule deer uh, harvest hunter numbers, percent success rate, and days hunted per hunter
1: and and Robbie, if I could just add one thing before we get going
0: yes um,
1: just so everybody knows that you know uh, if anybody is interested in more detail into this, I got this information off of our hunt planner so anybody can go onto our website and get the same exact data so just just for people's you know uh, you know I just want to let everybody know that on our website, on Hunt Planner, you can look at statewide harvest um, and you can get that data to them. stuff.
0: Yeah, great. Um, uh, I was just uh, too lazy or too busy to go do it. So I had Toby do it. Uh, but yeah, this all comes from Hunt Planner on, on the Idaho Fishing Game website. Just Google it. Google's really smart, it'll get you there. That last number, Toby. The, the days per hunter is, is what I call it. I, I don't know if that's officially which, but it's the number of days, the average number of days uh, a hunter hunts for that year. Do, am I explaining that right?
1: Yep. It's the average number of days uh, a hunter reports hunting.
0: Okay. And the reason I always focus on that number is because it's a, to me, it's a reflection of hunting pressure. So even if I had 80,000 hunters, if, if they were only hunting two days, there's that much pressure in the woods, but if they were hunting four days, it's double the pressure, double the amount of impact. Am I explaining that right, Toby?
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that it it is, it's very interesting to see how many days the average hunter hunts. And you know, we'll get we'll get into it here soon, but it's uh it hasn't changed a lot over the last twenty-five years.
0: And that's why I wanted to do this episode, because I didn't I didn't know that for sure before you sent me these numbers. But every time I've ever dug into them over the last twenty years, in every state, and I'm talking deer and elk, not not goat, sheep, all that stuff, just deer and elk. I've noticed that myself, like, hmm, hunters are still hunting about the same number of days. So we'll get we'll get that number out there. But to me, it's an important number because um, when people tell me, oh, the woods are so full and everybody's hunting harder, everybody's hardcore, and yet I look at the average number of days, I, I should see an increase in that. And we'll go through the numbers here and see if there was an increase. Okay, so I'm going to start with 2005, okay? And in 2005... <laughs> 82,000 hunters harvested 25,000 mule deer. That's a 30% success rate. And hunter days were 4.5. That means the average hunter hunted 4.5 days. Didn't matter if it was a one-week season, two-week season, Heck, in uh, some places in Idaho, we have a f- five-week season, uh, eight-week season, I think, in, in, in central Idaho in some places. But the average hunter put in 4.5 days, okay? Now, we are rounding these numbers to the nearest thousands because in, in an audio episode, it's a lot easier to say 25,000 than it is to say 24,459, okay? So, if it went over, we, we went to the nearest thousand. So in 2015, our mule deer harvest was 30,000, okay? That's up from 25,000 in 2005, okay? Hunter numbers were 99,000. That's up from 82,000 in 2005. So an increase of 17,000 hunters. Success rate was the same. Days per hunter went down. Okay, now I'm gonna stop right there. Let everybody kind of, kind of wrap their mind around that. We did see an increase in hunters between 2005 and 2015 statewide. We had 17,000 more hunters. Success rate was the same. The days per hunter went down though. Went down uh, from 4.5 to 4.3. Uh, That's not negligible. What's that? 0.2 divided by 4.5. It comes down about 14%. Make sure I did that right. 0.2 divided by 4.5. Now 4%. Went down about 4%. People hunted 4% less to kill a deer in 2015 versus 2005. Now, before I jump up to the 2022 numbers, let's break these down a little bit. So, so Toby, in 2015, and uh, I'm not trying to put a trick question on you. You know, I have talked about this before. What, what was the state of our deer herd in 2015? Population numbers.
1: It, it it was it was doing amazing. You know, it was the best the best mule deer numbers that we'd seen since um, the since the early 2000s. So yeah, it was it was we were, we were hitting a peak. It was, it was amazing. Uh, an amazing year. 15 was.
0: Just- and, and is it fair to say that peak was, I mean, was, I don't want to say was the peak related to weather? Was it related to, I can't really say tag numbers because these were general seasons, but you know, we had 17,000 more hunters out there. What, why was, to, why was the deer population bigger in 2015? What was causing that? Were, were we more restrictive in hunting prior to that? I mean, what what's driving it?
1: No, actually, it was um, I me. Mean, to be quite honest, it was favorable weather conditions. Um, basically, from the 2011 to 2015, just increased the deer population. Um, you know, and, and favorable weather means for mule deer is mild winters and uh and and moist and wet summers um, basically um having that and when you have favorable weather conditions and you know we've been doing uh what we call you know ba- basically mortality studies on mule deer uh since the late 90s and we know that one of the biggest drivers of mule deer at least in southern Idaho is weather and uh, as much as everybody would like to think it was something else uh based on all our work all the thousands of radio calls that we've deployed weather is the most important and and basically weather relates back to body condition of does and when does are in great body condition they put out more fawns the fawns are heavier and they produce more fawns themselves eventually and when you get a string of four years or five years in a row where it's all positive and there are no hiccups in the weather then mule deer can increase at at a pretty amazing rate and what we saw was a peak really
0: okay so toby and i didn't talk off the air about that that's pretty much what i thought he was going to say because that's what i experienced and you know we had a We had that uh, pretty hard winter, 2010 and 11, all right? Really hard winter. But like all hard winters, you end up with so much water after that, that once we got into 2011 and then all the way to 2015, we didn't have any more hard winters and we had water every year. Um, I don't have the drought monitor in front of me, but if we had any excessive drought it, it was it was short term. 2012 was good, 2013, 2014, 15 was a very mild winter. And then sure enough, by 2015, we um we harvest 5000 more mule deer. Um and now, I know the naysayers will say, "Yeah, see, we just shot them all." No, we harvested more mule deer because there was more available. And the, 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 as far as hunting pressure goes, hunting pressure did go up from 2005 to 2015. We added 17,000 more hunters, went from 82,000 Toby to 99,000. What do you attribute that to? Why did we have more hunters showing up in 2015 versus 2005? Do you know?
1: Um, well, I honestly, Robbie, I would say when mule deer hunting is good, more people go. I mean that's just the bottom line. I mean, if we look back in history, even before we have great harvest data and great population data, you know, when we had a lot of deer in Idaho, a lot of people went hunting, and that and that's it's just um, when it's good, a lot of people go, and that's and they hear about it. You know, obviously there was a buildup with 2013, 2014. Uh, You know, there were more people out there in the field, and uh, I think uh, all the stars aligned, and a lot of people ended up going.
0: That's exactly what I think, too, and it's no different for other pursuits. Um, When our fish per hour goes up for steelhead on the Salmon River, excuse me, when it goes down, meaning you don't have to fish as many hours to catch a fish, that's how they measure steelhead harvest, a lot of people go. When I start seeing, you know, it's taken 10 hours of fish, I get pretty excited about going out because 10 hours of fish is average. I know a guy that knows what he's doing. He's going to catch two or three a day. When it's 30 hours of fish, meh, I'll find something else to do. Um, and I've seen the exact same thing with deer hunting and, and many pursuits, many pursuits. So again, I didn't, I didn't prime Toby for that answer. But that's exactly what I would have said, too. When deer hunting's good, a lot of people buy a tag and go. You know, that's just, just how it is. So let's use that as a segue to look at the 2022 numbers. Before I put those out, any other comments on that, Toby? Um, hunter numbers, 30% success rate, hunter number days, average hunter days went down in 2015. Are we leaving anything out?
1: No, I don't think so. And I guess I would explain the average hunter days as the hunting was good, and people didn't have to hunt as long. I mean, yeah. if you look at it, I mean, two tenths of a day uh, is uh, four uh, four point eight hours. I mean, it, it mm-hmm. isn't much different, but uh, basically,
0: it, hunting was easier. Yes, hunting hunting was easier, so it didn't take take as many days. But let's jump to twenty two now. Now a lot of things happened between two thousand fifteen and twenty twenty two in my world. Two very hard winters. Not one, two. In the winter of 2016-17, um, intense, 200% snowpack in February, which is different than 200% snowpack in December. Go back and listen to the Josh Boyd episode, uh, my my hydrologist I had on. When you have 200% normal snowpack in February, that is a lot of snow on the ground. And we had that in 2016, 17, in several parts of Idaho, and many parts were over 150, even if they didn't hit that 200 mark. And okay, well, we have hard winners sometimes, and uh, and and it showed up the next year that you know showed up in the data and everything. But then we did it again uh, on a lesser scale in 2018, 19. We just had a long, drawn-out February, March. That's you know, the earlier part of the winter wasn't too bad, but it went long and it was cold and and deep snow. Um, it affected our fawns more than anything. Where the previous winter was, you know, clear up into the adults, but you know, it was it was it was tough on our fawns in many parts of Idaho. Not every single unit, but many of the units suffered at least higher fawn losses in the, uh, the 2018, 2019 winter. So we lost a lot of the 2018 fonts. And then, um, you know, 1920 wasn't too bad. 2021 wasn't too bad. 21, 22 wasn't too bad. Um, and then we got the 22, 23 that people are probably tired of me talking about it, but as long as people are going to talk about the good old days, I'm still going to be talking about, well, look, look at what happened here. And so in this last winter that we just had, you know, we, we definitely lost a big proportion of the 2022 fawns. That's what dies in the, in the following winter. And so, um, um, now we're not going to look at 23 numbers. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but up into 2022, we had had that that very hard winter of of sixteen seventeen, somewhat of a hard winter eighteen nineteen, and now we're going to go back through these numbers and I'll I'll compare them back to two thousand fifteen and two thousand five. Okay, so in twenty twenty two, we had seventeen thousand mule deer harvested. That was down from thirty thousand in two thousand fifteen, and down from twenty five thousand in two thousand five. Okay, so definitely down. That's why I gave you that whole winter thing there that I just gave you. The number of hunters in 2022 was also down. Clear down to 74,000 hunters, mule deer hunters in 2022, compared to 99,000 mule deer hunters in 2015. So it was down 25,000 mule deer hunters. And compared to 2005, we were 82,000 mule deer hunters. So we were still down 8,000 mule deer hunters there. Um, And our success rate 23% in 2022, 30% in 2015, and 30% in 2005. So it dropped off seven percentage points. And then the last number that we've been looking at is hunter days, average days per hunter. In 2022, it was five. In 2015, it was 4.3, and in 2005, it was 4.5. So it it, it did go up a half a day from 2005. That's about an 11 percent increase. So the, that's the big picture. What I'm what I'm what I'm seeing here, Toby, is that our success rate dropping off seven points, seven percentage points, from 30 percent to 23 percent and that is seven divided by 30 that's that's a 23 percent drop that's significant now i I might have tainted the waters there um i gave too much of a hint but to me that that's just winners is am am i missing anything else because i get the people are saying no more wolves more bears more cougars more this more that more this or was it was it the weather that got us between fifteen and twenty twenty-two to to have that big drop in success rate? Let's say you.
1: I, I agree with you. I mean, obviously there's a there's a ton of factors that affect mule deer. And we know that habitat, we know that wildfires, you know, that destroy mule deer habitat are, you know, can can be localized influencers. Uh, on mule deer populations we know that predation is you know a factor uh, predation based on our studies seems to be a, a more of a factor in some places and weather is more of a factor in others but yeah i mean you you've you got it right robbie
0: okay and so um hunter days they uh, these are the people saying hey there's more hunters than ever we got all these hunters out there but if you look at the hunter numbers no we have we have 8000 less deer hunters than we had in 2005 and we have 25000 less deer hunters than 2015 let's throw out 2015 that was kind of a peak let's just yeah a lot of it was good deer hunting a lot of people went out but there's nothing on this page that tells me we have more hunters now than we did um almost 20 years ago am i missing something
1: no, I I don't think so. I mean, but obviously, one of the data, one of the things the data doesn't speak to, is the is hunter mobility. I mean, you think about back seventeen years ago, mm-hmm. uh, mobility was different. I mean, people owned some four wheelers. Uh, you know, obviously, people had leather boots and uh, and jeeps and horses. But um, you know in this in the past seventeen years, there has been an increase in you know off-road vehicles, uh whatever you want to call them, UTVs, um, side-by-sides. And I think that that mobility has actually changed people's perception about how many people are out there.
0: Agreed. It it feels like more pressure when there are, are more more mobile hunters. Um now I know we're not prepared really to talk about this on this episode but do we have um do we know is there more access now than in 2005 um as far as legal access like if we opened up more areas to legal access on on UTVs ATVs you
1: know as far as fishing game goes and the motorized hunt rule has goes we haven't changed the, that distribution in 20 years so no we haven't changed that i mean i just think there's more people uh you know using the roads that exist i mean obviously okay. you know you can find examples of where um you know people obviously are uh, out in country they nest, not that it's not necessarily legal to be in, uh, you know, with with motorized vehicles, and you can find other places that you know there, 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 are there aren't as many people out there. I mean, because they have to go, you know, on their backs, and you know, obviously, it's. Uh, you know, I think there's a, yeah, there's been just a, a a big change in hunters' mobility, and I think that has affected people's. And I, I don't mean to say this flippantly, but their perception of crowding. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. everybody has their own idea of hunter crowding. And in fact, you know, and you can look on our website and we've done we did three years, 2019, 20, and 21. We did hunter crowding surveys and actually we skipped last year, and we're gonna uh, survey for hunter crowding this coming year, 2020, well, 2023 hunters. We're actually sending the survey out here in a in a few weeks, and uh, you know sort of looking at people's perception of crowding depending on where they hunt in the state and uh you know it, it's it's it is very interesting but I don't think it's um I think it's one of those things that um obviously we can you and I looking at the data and the, the viewers or the listeners listening to what the numbers say you know it's you know the, the the information that fishing Game has, based on the number of hunters and the days of field, doesn't indicate that there are double the number of hunters there were 10 years ago, yeah. you
0: know, it's lost. It's less, it's less, and um, it's way less than 2015. I mean, we're missing 25,000 deer hunters, uh, from 2015. But again, if we throw out 2015 and just go back to 2005, when we had 82,000 deer hunters and now we have 74,000, um, that would be, uh, let's see, that'd be eight divided by 82 would be down about 10% on hunter numbers. Um, but then looking at that other interesting number of, of hunter days, you know, that, that's up about 11%. So hunters are hunting a little bit longer. And, and is that because deer hunting's harder? Like, you know, we have a lower success rate. So people are just automatically going to, they're not going to hunt as many days because they didn't get one. Is that, is that what that is? Or is it? Uh, we you know hunters have more time off now more more freedom more they're more hardcore um i mean i I'm probably stretching it to ask you to <laughs> tell us what's what's causing that, but i mean that's that's two two numbers there they're kind of going the opposite way, going down in hunter numbers but up a little bit on on hunter days
1: yeah, and i i don't I don't think we i don't think I have the data to tell you all the reasons, but I mean obviously in there was the pandemic, which got a lot more people out hunting, um, you know, um, and then when people had to go to back to work, uh, the, the number of hunters went down and yeah, obviously we saw, we can see in the data that when it's harder hunting, people hunt longer. So yeah. Say that again. You
0: know, when it's harder hunting, people hunt what?
1: People hunt more days. More days. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's trying harder.
0: Yeah, so just, 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 yeah, just naturally end up being out there longer because when it was good deer hunting in 2015, I only hunted a couple of days and got one. 2022, it's tougher. We're missing two fawn crops in there. We're missing the 2016 fawns. We're missing the 2018 fawns, and so guys looking for a nicer, older buck, three, five, four three, four, five, six years old, he's going to have to hunt a little longer. And, uh, so anyways, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I can take from it. And I, and I realize you gotta be careful on what you pull from this data and everything, but I just wanted to get it out there because that's all I hear is it's just, just so many more people in the woods. And, you know, I'm a non-resident of, of other states, you know, and, and, you know, people get mad because I stick up for non-resident hunters, but it's because I is one. Um, yeah, I'm lucky to be born and raised in Idaho. I'm a resident here. That's where I do most of my hunting, but you know, I probably hunt out of state every year somewhere, um, or almost every year. And, um, so when non-residents are just completely in the crosshairs of residents of every state, that they're the ones that are that are causing all these crowding issues, and there's so many more of them, guys. I am not finding that in in the data that I've looked at, and I and hopefully I just showed you here today. And Toby, with we've done some restructuring with the way non-resident permits, uh, excuse me, uh, non-resident tags. Uh, Gotta keep into the general season stuff here. We've we've done some changes on how those are allocated uh in, in the last few years, but the numbers about the same, right? We still given about the same number of non-resident tags. The numbers exactly the same. They're exactly it's the same. So, so there hasn't been a decrease. 15,
1: 000, it's, re- it's fourteen thousand regular tags and 1500 um whitetail tags, and it's been that way for uh, over 20 years probably closer to 30 years but in my 20 near 20 years here in the, with the agency it's been the same exact number on um, um, deer tags so yeah there's been a basically now non-residents have to apply for an individual um, game management unit to hunt and they're restricted to that game management unit where they used to be able to be like a resident and if you've got a regular tag you can hunt in 79 you know of the game management units and now they're they're restricted to one unit and that did change the distribution of non-residents in some places because it went by a percentage of the residents in that unit because um, how they were distributed but still it came out to be the same we still sell the same number to
0: and I think we addressed that distribution problem because even though they could hunt 79 units in Idaho, they were, there was a disproportionate amount of non-residents heading to about three or four units in, the, in southeast Idaho, correct? The OnX Hunt Elite subscription will provide way more value than the $100 annual fee will cost you. And that's before you apply the 20% ROCKCAST promo code. You'll use OnX on every hunt, every planning session, and now save money with exclusive deals on gear from the industry's best. Onex Elite also includes application and draw odds tools, educational resources for all species, exclusive mapping and scouting tools, and last but not least, access to nationwide coverage and now Canada. Onex Hunt Elite is trusted by millions. Onex has also released new features to help make hunters more successful. Already known for nationwide public and private land ownership and being a fully functional GPS without service, Onex Hunt has just released new aerial imagery options like Leaf Off, recent imagery updated every two weeks with historic lookback and imagery on demand. On top of that, Onex is reinventing the trail camera market by syncing your Hunt app with multiple cell camera manufacturers and helping organize and analyze your photos. You can also now view your maps in-dash when driving to your next hunting location. These are just a few of the many updates Onyx has for this hunting season. So try Onyx Hunt for free for seven days, or go to onyxmaps.com and use promo code RockCast for twenty percent off your new Onyx Hunt membership.
1: Oh well, that's the perception.
0: <laughs> that's what that's what the perception was then. So so essentially, we should have seen hunter numbers go down in those few units, and but with a slight uptick in other units. But this is where we get into, you know, the whole thing of what what is statistically significant, and you know, we'd have to get a statistician on here to break these numbers down, but. I know one thing, I don't just hunt in those two or three units or four units that were attracting all the non-resident hunters, um, but I've not seen a big increase in hunter numbers in the places I go. I'm, I'm just a sample size of one. I always try to remind people that, be real careful, but it's also why I'm scratching my head. Every time I log on to rock slide and all the, all the non-residents are getting lamb blasted because they're taking over the country. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You know, I, I, I was hunting in the eighties when there was a lot of hunters and, you know, you and I didn't go that far back in this data, but we have before. And, uh, you know, they're, the, these, these hunter numbers are way down compared to historical hunter numbers. So, um, before we leave deer here, Toby, uh, do you anything else we need to cover on these?
1: No, I think, uh, I, I hope people got a, you know, sort of a, a snapshot of what the changes have been over the last 17 years. And, uh, and if you want to go look at the data yourself, you're more than welcome to go to the Idaho Fishing Game website and look at Hunt Planner and we can play with that information yourself.
0: When will the 23 uh, data be on there? I, I know that people haven't even reported yet. Well, at least me. Sorry, Toby. Um, so, but, but, but how much time does it take to get that data uploaded?
1: So the problem well the the challenge with getting that data is actually um we send out reminders to folks, and I think the last reminder went out uh right around the first of the year, so we're still waiting on more data to come in from people like you and uh and we will be uh hopefully getting that those numbers uh Probably about mid-February. I'm I'm hoping.
0: Okay, so right around the corner. So so we could add to that. Um, uh, I'm just going to take a stab at it. 2023 was a lot of doom and gloom. I'm thinking that hunter numbers are going to have gone down from the 74k. Plus, we're another year out from COVID. Um, uh, so I, I I'm saying 74k was in 2022. I think we're going to be lower than that for 23. How about you, Toby? You want to bet a bit of coke on it?
1: <laughs> um. I, I would guess that it's probably going to be. Uh, I, I would guess it's about the same numbers as 2022. Gotcha, uh, maybe a little less, but um, I. Before we, we leave, the, seventy-five thousand.
0: Gotcha, right around in there. Okay, so um, uh, and before we leave, these for for a lot of you big deer hunters, I know that's why you come to this broadcast. Remember, this is this is what is in my mind in hunting. The Intermountain west um you know western wyoming southeast idaho even central idaho northern utah uh, northern nevada that we have yeah we're looking for these bucks that are six seven years old is ideally what we want to find so we're looking for bucks that were born in 2016. um if in, in 2024 those would be eight year old bucks, let's say, which I'd really love to find an eight year old buck. I've only ever taken two that were that, that age. Well, in 2016, we had very, very low fawn crop. Uh, 2017 wasn't all that great because our does were not in that great a condition coming off of that hard winter. Um, 18 fawn crop was okay. 19 fawn, excuse me, 18 fawn crop got hit hard in that 18-19 winter. So there's three depressed fawn crops from 16 to 18 right there. All right. We'll just do the math. That's your, that's your six, seven and eight year old bucks uh, for 2024, where there's just less of them available. That's what the weather does. Now, the 22, 23 fawns, those were bucks that we would be hunting in, you know, 27. Okay. So we've still. We've still got holes in our age classes out there. And that's what I've been trying to talk about on these episodes that I haven't ever had to deal with that Toby with that many missing age classes of fawns. And and I learned a long time ago when I'm not seeing a lot of big bucks, I don't necessarily look at the guy that shot a two point down the road, you know, four years ago, I'm looking at how many fawns hit the ground four or five years ago and i can't go back in my hunting career and stack that many low fawn crops together you know basically the 16 the 17 the 18 fawns and definitely the 2022 20, fawns that's that's four fawn crops low fawn crops
1: am i missing anything there toby no i, I agree and you know the other thing uh that kind of uh, exacerbates the effect of you know physically losing fawns in the winter is that when adult doe body condition also um, gets hammered during those hard winters. And when it does, they have less fawns the next year, because if they were on on schedule, because from if you're talking about an adult doe from age two to age six, you can pretty much guarantee that if they're on a, a decent plane of diet, they're going to have twins every year whereas if they have a bad winter in there they might not even have a fawn the next year or just have a single Um, their bodies react to poor body condition and when you deplete an adult's body condition there again i mean even talking to bucks i mean bucks won't have as big antlers the next year because they just don't have the resources to put into it so there's a not only the immediate effect of losing fawns to winter kill, but also the lag effect of reduced body condition in mule deer. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you're right. And we are missing age classes. And you know, the other thing to point out with mule deer is that, you know, we're roughly, bucks make up about 10% of the adult population pre-hunt. So we're talking about we're all hunting on about 10% of the population. And when you have missing age classes, it makes those numbers even smaller. For those six, seven, eight year old deer. Um, Yeah, they they are completely missing at times in uh, in the population, or in such low numbers that, you know, you see, or hear, you know, one here, one there sort of thing.
0: Yes. Yeah. I'm glad you point that out because that's, that's why through 2017 in there as a depressed fawn crop, because those does were coming off of that really hard winter. And, you know, we just know every time it's studied, they, they, they have less fawns, lighter fawns, all of that's related back to their body condition. So, and that's why I say, I don't remember in my, all my years of hunting three or four decades of hunting, having that many fawn crops impacted. And then by default, like you said, you know, Bucks, everything, everything gets affected. So, anyways, that's that is what it is. So uh, that's why it's habitat, 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 people. That's all that's going to bring them back. Um, Let's move into elk numbers too, and and I wanted to get elk in here too, Toby, because not every unit, um, but elk and deer seasons can run concurrently in a lot of units, and so I I thought, well, you know, maybe there. I already knew there was less deer hunters even before you sent me these numbers, but I, I thought even if there's less deer hunters, maybe there's more outcomes and, you know, and that's a person in the field is pressure to somebody that impacts your hunt quality. I think that's why it's so hard to have a quality hunt in Utah. So my Utah brothers tell me is that, Hey, yeah, man, I'm on a, on a unit. So only got 40 tags, but everybody bought, brought three people to help them scout you know and so that that's perceived pressure too and so uh, i had i had toby send me the elk numbers over same thing let's look at 2005 2015 2022 uh in 2005 we had 14,000 elk harvested on the general season and uh there, there were 77,000 hunters that comes out to an 18% success and 5.9 days hunted per hunter in 2015 uh, we had 15,000 elk harvested. So that was an increase of a thousand. We had 83,000 elk hunters. That was an increase of 6,000 elk hunters. Same success rate, 18%. And the average hunter days was 5.7%. And Toby, I don't follow elk numbers as close as I do deer, but it seems to me that the elk don't get the big swings in population that mule deer do with the high peaks and the, and the low lows um That's does, does that sound fair
1: yeah i mean they obviously take advantage of uh you know good good uh good habitat years and they also do get affected um by winter but to a m- much greater extent than you do absolutely they're they're tough animals
0: they are tough they are tough um so you know there's no reason to say you know there's a great big upswing and in, in uh Elk numbers in fifteen, although they were up, I, sh- I shouldn't say I don't know. They, they, they probably were up. They you know they follow those same weather patterns. We harvested a thousand more elk than we did in two thousand five. There was more hunter participation, uh, six thousand more hunters, same success rate. um Let's jump to twenty twenty two. In twenty twenty two, our elk harvest was thirteen thousand. It went down from two thousand fifteen when it was fifteen thousand. So it went down two thousand elk hunters. Hunter numbers dropped 76,000 hunters. That was the lowest in the three years that we looked at from 2005. Yeah. So 76,000 hunters in 2022 versus 83,000 in 15 versus 77,000 in 2005. So with a peak in there of 15, and there may have been peaks in there other years. I mean, we have to keep this data digestible for an audio format. Um, but the 17, 18 year average is we actually have less elk hunters now in 2022 than we did in 2005. Uh, success rate was down 1%, 17%. Hunter uh, days, that did go up significantly. It went up to 6.5 uh, from 5.7 in 2015 um, and 5.9 in 2005. so basically if we look 2005 our, our hunters hunting more in 2005 they hunted 5.9 days in 2022 they hunted 6.5 what's that 0.6 divided by 5.9 yeah they hunted 10 percent more days in 2022 uh, than they did in 2005. so it, with our discussion of UTVs and ATVs, you know more. Even though we don't have, we don't think we have more roads open. And all that other stuff. I mean, that could be argued, but um I like how Toby said it. Just more of them makes more pressure in the same amount of real estate. Same same road miles and everything. There's just there's just more of them. So you know hunters hunting ten percent more in 2022 than 2005, and then add that on top of a lot more UTVs, ATVs. Yeah it, it could feel like pressure, uh, more pressure. Definitely. Um, am I missing anything in all that Toby?
1: No, no, I don't think you are. And, you know, I think that, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting that elk hunters hunt on average about a day and a half more than, than milder hunters do. Um, I've always, uh, you know, heard the old saying when I worked in uh, the Southeast region that, uh, people like to hunt deer and eat elk
0: hunt deer and eat elk. Yes. Yes. And that's actually, that's still alive. And well, we've been talking about it on this episode, especially with the mule deer on their, on their heels. The last couple of years, I've been telling everybody, man, I, I've been buying cow elk tags, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll let a buck walk. I mean, I always have let bucks walk, but I'll let one walk and I'll eat a cow elk. And that, not, but not because it tastes better. If you're trying to paint me in a, tor- a, a corner there, Toby, I'm not going there. Cause I, I still, I still think that deer tastes better, but elk are mighty fine eating too. Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, anyways, um, I guess my takeaway from looking at all these numbers is, yeah, we could say they the hunter participation has gone up. You know, maybe maybe 10%. Um but hunter numbers, they're not up, they're down um over this in in both deer and elk hunters. Uh now this didn't take into uh account whitetail hunters. I know you sent those numbers, Toby, and I looked at those too. Um, it didn't take in controlled hunts, it didn't it didn't take in all of that. I mean, I I, I had to come up with something that, you know, we're we're going on an hour here, that something that was. Digestible and and again in an audio format. Sometimes it's really hard to track numbers, but without getting into all those numbers with you know whitetail and controlled hunts and everything, has there been significant changes in in those that you've seen, Toby? I mean, this just might be without looking at the data again because it takes a while. Do, do, do you perceive that those numbers are up? Do we issue more controlled hunt numbers, or do we do we have a lot more uh, whitetail hunters than we used to?
1: Good question. Um... No, actually our whitetail numbers, our whitetail hunters uh numbers for general um peaked about 2015, like Mule Deer did too. I mean okay. it was good for it was good for white tails, and then they've been slowly declining since then and you know last year's numbers we had fifty one thousand whitetail hunters. Um but the uh you know I I think uh you know, as far as, it is interesting to me that, you know, whitetail hunters do spend a little bit more time hunting whitetails. Um, on average, you know, like 2022, they spent 6.7 days. So that's really? kind of on, on par with, uh, with elk hunter. Yep.
0: Gosh, mule deer hunters, you bunch of lames. What do you do? Just head out for the morning and then go home and drink coffee? I didn't know the whitetail hunters were hunting more days than, than we were. That's embarrassing.
1: <laughs> well, uh, you know, it is what it is. And I've always thought that, you know, that, you know, the old number of, you know, about four and a half days for the average number of hunter days per hunter um, in Idaho is always focused to me around two weekends, which most of the seasons are two weekends. And mm-hmm. if you look at whitetail seasons in most places, they're much longer. So, those guys can get in three weekends mm-hmm. on average. Mm-hmm. So that's I it see. perspective. It's like, you know, you were talking about a 10% difference in average hundred days. That's 2.4 hours. You know, it's, it's not, it's not even two and a half hours difference, <clears throat> but I mean, obviously yeah. it, it's, uh, it's 10% of a day 2.4. So.
0: Well, and that's why, that's why I wanted to get you on here to get a, get a a, a 10,000 foot view of this, because you're right. If you look at it from, from the point of hours, it's, it's not much, but, but I do know one thing I can go log on Rockside right now. And there's going to be a thread on there saying that, you know, the the hunting's done too many hunters, less animals. This is where we're at. And, and, uh, I don't know. I just want to bring something else to the table besides all the doom and gloom. Um, and, uh, you know, I've talked about this on other episodes that, um, I went through this in the eighties, uh, Toby, you know, I, I hunted with a deer hunting family and all I ever heard was bitching and moaning about the non-resident hunters and, um, lack of game. Oh man, I, I would love to go back to 1985 right now. I would love to, um, as a mule deer hunter, maybe not so much an elk hunter, but as a mule deer hunter. Um, and, and I just kind of had to change my mind that, you know, these guys that were telling me all this, you know, they were, they were a generation ahead of me. You know, they were the baby boomers. They got, they did get to experience a real peak in mule deer numbers in the, in the sixties and early seventies. And, um, you know, to them, the mid eighties were down, but I just, if I would have listened to it too much, you and I wouldn't be talking on this podcast today. I would probably have a golf podcast and, um, I just had to believe that, well, Hey, there's, there's, it's still there for the guy that wants to work for it. And I, and I still think it is, um, we're just, we're just on our heels right now with deer and, um, I think, I don't know what you think Toby, but you know, if we, if we can get some favorable weather, I just think we're going to get back to where we need to be. We have very restricted harvest right now. We have almost no antlerless hunting to speak of. Right. That's fair. And you and I've talked about that a lot, you know, this is the time when you kind of clamp down on that Idaho has done that, um. I guess the whole habitat thing. Are, are we doing enough for habitat in Idaho, Toby? You pursue them, you cherish them, and now it's time to protect them. This is the Mule Deer Foundation. Our mission is the conservation of Mule Deer, black tailed deer, and their habitats, the heart and soul of the West. Join the herd today and help us preserve the legacy of these majestic creatures for generations to come. Your membership supports essential conservation projects, research initiatives, and educational programs that secure a future for mule deer and black-tailed deer. Our deer, our heritage, our responsibility. Don't just witness their journey, be a part of it. Join the herd. Together, we can make a difference. Visit muledeer.org today.
1: Yeah, I, I think we're doing, I think we're doing a lot of great things. And, uh, you know, for Mule Deer Habitat, you know, there's, I mean, the the great thing about Idaho is that there's a lot of public land. And um, obviously, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of opportunity. And I know that, you know, the department is working on, constantly working on trying to make Better mule deer habitat in a lot of places, and uh, you know we get we get setbacks from big wild wildfires like the Murphy Fire. You know it was still fresh in my mind, but it was I think sixteen years ago, and uh, you know it's coming back. It 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 was an amazing place for mule deer to live, and in three days it became a great place for elk and pronghorn to live because all the all the sagebrush and bitter brush was gone, and uh, but. If you drive out there um, and look down from Murphy or any of those places, not Murphy, but uh, Murphy Hot Springs,
0: yeah, um, on the Idaho Nevada border,
1: on the Idaho Nevada border, you can see that you know their sagebrush coming back, and it's you know unfortunately, you know those things take a long time, and <clears throat> you know I, I, you know I'm jealous of the people that got to live through the the, the big peaks of mule deer in Idaho. Um, because those were the best of times, but the hunting's still good and mm-hmm. s- people still find amazing bucks. I mean, I had a guy call me up and tell me, uh, not this year, but last year that, you know, he saw a buck that, you know, in his own words, renewed his faith in mule deer hunting and I don't, I mean, he, he didn't get a shot at it. He saw it for six or eight seconds, but it was, it was, it was that kind of buck that he's like, I'm going to. I'm going to start going deer hunting again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're still out there. I've seen two in the last couple of weeks that I'd be very happy to put my tag on come season.
1: Yeah. We, we have such a potential to put mule deer on the hill. Um, you know, it's like, like we talked about, you know, all it takes is three or four excellent, you know, weather years and deer hunting gets amazing quick here.
0: Yeah. Um, is there anything that we can do besides buying our licenses? Anything else hunters can do?
1: Well, you can definitely report your, uh, your, your hunting activity. Uh, we appreciate your, uh, <laughs> you, you and everyone else. I mean, we're down to about 60%, um, Compliance with folks actually putting in their hunter reports. So um, every time somebody does that, um, it helps. Um, we are working on some new ways to get people interested in in um, reporting that and looking at some new technologies potentially to add in in the future to make it easier for people to do that. I mean, right now you can do it on your phone. You don't. I know. You don't, you don't have to go to a computer. If you've got go outdoor Idaho on there, it it is so smart. it knows who you are. it knows what you hunted, and then uh, you can just go in and fill it out pretty pretty quickly and and that helps us a ton. Uh, the higher percentage we can get of compliance of people turning in their hunter harvest makes the data better and uh, makes those uh, and and that affects everything, including season setting.
0: Yep. And he's right. I just opened my uh, phone, tapped in Go Outdoor Idaho and uh, filled in my autofill contact. My name's already up. I mean, I got no excuse. So, uh, and, uh, and so guys that helps fish and game when they have those numbers and remember our neighbors right next door, Wyoming, there's a, a lot of resident hunters that they're, that's what they're fighting for is to get mandatory reporting. And so, you know, just across the border, we got hunters that would love to report their harvest. And and here we over here in Idaho twiddle on our thumbs. So, uh, I, I will do this Toby, as soon as we get off the phone and, um, uh, I'm going to take care of that right now. And, I got to pat myself on the back. I always have. I've always filled out my reports. Um, for a long time, I thought you had to, to get a license the next year. I don't know if that's true or not, but maybe that's what we should do.
1: Uh, well, yeah, uh, that was, uh, just somebody had told you that, but it wasn't actually <laughs> true. It uh, worked. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, there's a stick and there's a carrot and, uh, you know, we, uh, we're, we're just, uh, hoping people can uh, continue to do it. And like I said, we've got some folks uh, in our communications bureau that are working on, you know, ways to help people, ways to make reporting easier and to make it more accurate. And uh, I can tell you that from 21 to 22, their efforts have actually, they increased uh, a little bit more than a percentage of a one percentage point in people reporting. Um, all
0: right. All right. You know, well, you know, well, we're going to support you anyway. We can. So everybody let's make a pact. I'm going to fill mine out. You guys all fill yours out. Let's get the fishing game. What they need. Toby, is there anything else? Uh, volunteer projects, uh, habitat projects, any, anything like that going on? I, I first, became associated with fish and game way back in the day it was called fish and game reserve program. It was their volunteer program. It's morphed into different things now, but is there, is there other ways that uh, hunters can help?
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. And you know, hunters can call their regional office and get involved. Everything from, you know, early fall seed collections. Uh, Cause we're out collecting the seed from the bitter brush from the sage brush and getting all that and storing it just in case we have a fire, we can actually grow seedlings from the area uh, that they came from. And the other thing is, is obviously those seedlings get put in the ground the following, uh, you know, two years later, actually, it takes to grow a seedling. And um, yeah, get in touch with them with your local region. And um, they have habitat projects and they're out uh, putting in, uh, you know, uh, Big plantings of uh, of mule deer, important brush species, and a whole host of other things that people can help with and and just uh, contact your local regional office and ask for volunteer opportunities, and they'll put you in contact with the right people.
0: It's there for the taking, everybody. So get involved. Um, so last thing, I know one thing we can do to to help mule deer, especially in this uh, southeast region um, where we were especially affected by winter last year is let's remind people about the shed antler closure passed with uh, basically 69% public support. It started January run, 1, is that correct?
1: That's correct. And it goes through the uh, 14th of uh, April and it's all public land uh, in the southeast and upper snake regions
0: southeast and upper snake okay so not just the southeast region see i've been being a good boy i'm not even thinking about picking up antlers i'm just like hey it's closed let's leave them alone i'll watch them from the road with a good pair of uh uh, binocs um but but yeah those antlers uh they should be there i know some some guys don't like these laws because they say everybody goes out and cheats but hey if you see somebody cheating uh you call the game warden let them know Uh, But those antlers will be there in in mid-April and a lot less impact for deer. That is one thing that we can do for deer. And virtually everybody I know that spends any time in the field in the winter that loved mule deer was in support of this. Because they saw in some areas, not every area, it, there's just how much impact that shed hunting had on, on deer. You can't run deer around in, in the winter, um, continually without having some type of effect. So, so let's, let's support it. And the way I understand this, Toby, this is a rule that you can roll in and out depending on winter severity. I I know you and I did a whole episode on that, but I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, you're absolutely right, Rob. It's just you know, when we have um, severe winters, we can put it in place. And the reason that it was put in place for the following winter just because to just reduce the pressure on those on those wintering deer and elk uh, in those two regions that got hit pretty hard and, you know, um, haven't flown it quite yet, but it's on the schedule this, this year, this spring, to fly uh, what we call our caribou uh deer unit which basically goes from the utah border up along wyoming all the way to idaho falls and really get an idea of the impact of the 22 23 uh winter um in in real deer deer numbers so excited about getting that data we probably won't fly that survey until late february early march um just because of uh helicopter availability and and trying to get the the amount of, uh, you know, make sure there's enough snow on the ground and, and so on and so forth. So
0: yeah, it's great. here now. It just started you wouldn't want to fly it a week ago. You'd have wasted helicopter time, but it's pretty much white all over now. And it sounds like if you're going to wait until February or so, this is just going to be a population count, not a composition count. Cause obviously we'll have lost a lot of antlers by then.
1: Yeah. We, we already did our comp counts, uh, around the state and, uh, you know, one of the interesting things looking at the data, especially from your part of the world, is you know, they 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 look good. And and the reason being is uh you know, buckdo ratio, um, fondo ratios look not too bad. Really? And the reason is, is we're missing an entire age class of the yearlings. Mm-hmm. Yearlings that used to basically temper down fawn doe ratios because, you know, uh, mule deer yearlings do not have fawns like whitetails can. Mm -hmm. And and obviously, um, with less deer on the hill, uh, buck doe ratios are going to look artificially inflated also. So um, that count to sort of put that into perspective, at least in that part of Idaho, uh, is going to be pretty important.
0: Yeah, and so if I'm understanding you, because we lost the 22 fawns in the winter of 22-23, that when you flew your composition counts in late 23, um, be- those those fawns are missing. They die at the highest rate, so they're missing. And so that makes it your buck-to-dow ratio higher? Did I did I follow that?
1: No, uh, and 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 well, just lo- lower numbers of deer overall make the buck to ratio look like it's higher. And lower number of does on the hill. I mean, obviously the fawn ratio is still low this year, mm-hmm. but buck doe ratio in some places looks a little higher, and it's because there are no yearlings in the in 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 the doe category. There are there are no yearlings, and there are no fawns. So the thing is, is is that it just uh,
0: gotcha. Okay, I follow. I, yeah, I, I said fawns. I should have said yearling bucks. Cause we, when you lose a fawn crop, 50% of it is yearling bucks. Yeah. And so the next year, those, those yearling bucks are not on the, they're not countable. Right. So that that's, what's pumping up your buck to your mature buck to doe ratio.
1: Yeah. And obviously with less deer on the hill, um, you know you know it's 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 simply a ratio that you count the number of does you count the number of fawns and you count the number of bucks and if there's less deer on the hill meaning and especially less does then it's going to look like there are more bucks on the hill ratio wise but in in real numbers probably not in in some of those places not everywhere i mean obviously sure, sure. the winter didn't affect uh, deer everywhere but um but it, it was an interesting year and you know, we could visit about, you know, deer success and deer hunter what deer hunters saw this fall. But, you know, definitely we I could tell from talking to a lot of people that, you know, what they saw out on the hillsides. Um, you know, they 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 definitely they they were they were basically mirroring what I perceived from the data that we have. In what they saw on the hillside in Canada.
0: Mm-hmm. But the future's bright. Every every buck hunt I went on in Idaho this year, I saw mature bucks. I didn't see big, big bucks, but I saw mature bucks. And so I know if we get up through this winter, um, you know, you just made a case for you know, there's less competition on the winter range right now. And that's why sometimes after these hard winters, the next two or three years, I see some pretty good bucks. Um, so I'm gonna be hopeful, even if I'm naive.
1: Me too. I'm hopeful. <laughs> I mean
0: all right toby okay everybody let's go fill out those harvest reports uh toby thank you very much and uh as you get more data coming down the pipe if you want to do another one of these uh let me know thank you for getting in and digging all those numbers out for me and uh, putting them together in a usable form i think it was a great discussion
1: yeah appreciate your time robbie and uh yeah like i said if anybody else wants to go look at that data uh they just go to our website in the hunt planner and they can look at the same data that we talked about and uh, yeah I'm always always good to talk with you and uh, appreciate your time and uh, yeah look forward to our next conversation about whatever whatever deer and elk questions we have
0: all right toby thank you very much